you're tuned in to Good Girls Behaving Badly. You talk about everything with your close friends, right? Well, so do we. Listen to us discuss everything from media and pop culture to relationships and dating. What do you want to chat about? Well, it's not going to work. Now that I know we're being recorded. <laughs> hey guys, this is Sydney. I'm Shanae. And how was your weekend? It was a good weekend. I had a uh, little harvest party. Mm-hmm. And that was cute. <laughs> and then today, it's been rainy and chilly. So I've been in the house. And I've actually, like, really enjoyed sitting around and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Definitely not ready for another work week. But I know. I'm employed. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, My weekend was good, too. Um, Friday, I hung out. With my best friends, Maurice and Franklin, most of the day. Um, and then went to a 50th birthday party Friday night. Saturday, I was with Shanae at her harvest party, which was lovely. Had a great time making s'mores and things. Um, and then today, I just binged TV all day. Um, like Shanae said, it was rainy, so I was just in the house. I didn't have, like, grandiose plans today. So when I saw Power wasn't going to have a new episode, I said, okay. I know. Let's, I, um, I texted Sydney. I was like, um. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing, the funny thing is, I saw that the winter finale was on the third, but I still didn't factor in that that means that one of these weekends there wasn't going to be an episode. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> right. It's already a winter finale, so let's just do this. <laughs> right. They're, like, stretching it out. It's yeah. annoying. Um, <clears throat> so I binged, um, what's it called? I didn't watch the thing all weekend and forgot what it was called. Temptation Island. Yes, Temptation Island. I binged cause, um, there's a podcaster that's on season two of it. And then I was like, well, let me see how season one ended. So I watched all of that. I literally just finished, um, that. So that was pretty much my weekend. All right. So what happened in the media? So start with some. Congrats mm-hmm. to Young Miami. She had her baby. Okay. With Southside. He's a rapper. I've never Yeah. Never heard of him. <laughs> but I'm also not like deep in the rap scene. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. Um also I wanna say congratulations to Billy Porter because he's gonna be the fairy godmother in the Cinderella yes. live action remake. And so in my mind I feel it I like the thought of it. It makes me chuckle in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know how they'll make his character mm-hmm. or his personality, but, mm-hmm. like, you could definitely see him in, like, that type of role yes. of encouraging and mm-hmm. getting somebody together. Mm-hmm. And probably having a little couple of smart comments. And like, he sings. Mm-hmm. And so, Cause like... I swear he on The Masked Singer. I think he in that uh, daggone lying suit or cat suit, whatever it is. Um, so I'm, I was actually happy to hear that. I'm, like, definitely into um the movie although i don't really care for the cinderella mm. it's uh what's her face from fifth harmony who we like to use the, the um like to be saying nigga um her yeah <laughs> and we'll we'll get there we got some other stuff to talk about we're gonna, we gonna get we're probably in there um and then moving on want to just give condolences to Elijah Cummings' family, yes. Yes. congressman for Baltimore for many years. And while Baltimore was definitely, like, in the news a couple months ago by Trump, mm-hmm. um, it's funny, his condolences via Twitter was like, uh, who wrote that? Very <laughs> nice did. words. He did. But I was like, 
couple but he months knew ago. He had to say something. Of course. But anyway, all that to say, while Baltimore is definitely not free from problems, mm-hmm. Elijah Cummings was a great congressman, I mm-hmm. believe, from the city. Yeah. Look up his record. Yeah. He did a lot of great things. He was doing stuff on his deathbed. Like That's what I'm saying. He's done a lot of great things. And I think while Baltimore does has its challenges, I also feel like it's not fair, and a lot of people do this, it's not always fair to put it all the problems on one source. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that go into the the why mm-hmm. of why the city is the way it is. And there's um, a lot of things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. And I also think that's effort from a lot of different places. Yeah. Including actual civilians. Right. Upwards to every level of the government, local, state, government, all. Mm-hmm. So um, just rest in peace. And rest in peace to him. And condolences to his family. Yeah. And he will definitely have... A legacy. Absolutely. So now I'm going into a little update. So remember when, a while ago we talked about Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. He didn't, didn't he catch another case? 14 women oh. have come up Jeez. accusing him of sexual misconduct. Mm. He obviously he entered a formal not guilty plea, non-guilty plea. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that there are additional accusers, this obviously elevates it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where that goes. This one girl, I was on Twitter, and this one girl um, shared her. She was like, she's not one of the accusers, but she has it a moment mm. where she was with him, and they were at, like, a club, and he asked her if she wanted to, like, come home with him or do something with him. She was like, no, and then he, like, grabbed her. She said he literally stuck her his finger up her butt. Oh. Like, and was like, you sure? Something, something, uh. something. Something like that. And I was just like, gross. Yeah, no. So, like I always say in moments like this, if this is true, mm-hmm. which certainly is a possibility. I hate when people act like it's not. Yeah. Then he needs to be charged and yeah. he needs to serve those consequences that are given to him. Yes. Agreed. And that's where I stand with that. Right. Another update with the regarding... Um, a Tatiana Jefferson. Mm-hmm. So the cop was arrested mm-hmm. and charged for murder. And the Fort Worth police made a statement saying that they had planned on firing him, yep. but he resigned Completely. prior. Yeah. So a lot of people felt mm, about that because it's typically they don't get fired. So mm-hmm. it's like very convenient that it's like, we were going to fire him. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. He has been released on bail, mm-hmm. and we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Hopefully, a guilty plea and um, and a sentencing that is appropriate. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Moving on. And hopefully, with the second case within such close proximity, They'll they keep- clearly need to do some, you know, new training. Like, hopefully. Even, like, after that, like, it needs to be a greater solution, but... It, it, it does. Absolutely. So, don't we love a good reboot? We uh, don't. No. <laughs> I was like, is that a We're always question? like, what? So, it's not like a reboot, but it's, to me, a song, it's a flavor of it. So, remember Johnson Family Vacation? Yes. Which I really did enjoy that movie. Yes, yeah. So, apparently, Cedric the Entertainer and Devon Franklin are trying to produce a sequel. Okay. Um... So here's the thing. If 
the same people are coming back. Then cool. It could be interesting to watch. And it's updated. Maybe he has grandkids now. Like if Solange ain't in it, don't play games with me now. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? So my whole thing is, if they're in it, Cedric the Entertainer is on board. If everyone is in it, and Mm -hmm. I mean everybody. Right. Steve Harvey, Vanessa Williams, Solange, Mm -hmm. Bow Wow, everybody. Yes, yes. Then... I'm not opposed to that movie because right. I still, I still laugh at that movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was a good movie. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I would, sometimes I get against stuff like that because mm-hmm. it's like, once again, there's so many other stories. There's so much more like creativity. Right. However, it's like, yeah, every now and then, if it makes sense and it's done right, mm-hmm. I'm mad at it. Still thought we was getting an ATL too, but at this point, what's mm-hmm. the point? Right. Um, I don't think we're ever getting that. <laughs> but <laughs> well, they said they was filming it, so but I then don't it know. was like stopped, and I'm like, all right, well now it's getting stupid. Like, right. They are aging. Granted, aging well, but the yeah. point is like at a certain point. Yeah. Uh, you know, but anyway, moving on. Um, for my Taco Bell lovers, I don't eat it. <laughs> they recalled seasoned ground beef in 21 states oh. after a customer found metal shavings in their meat. Mm. It's to the point now where, like, we need to get back to farming, guys. <laughs> Facts. Like, we seriously. gotta just... If you want to eat meat, you got to be having your own cows yes, now. Yes. Have your own chickens. Agreed. We need to start getting into farm life because yes, I, that's all it, I'm saying. It is not working. <laughs> every it seems like every couple of days something's on recall. Mm-hmm. Something is going on. Outbreak. It is time <laughs> that we reclaim our own food, and we need to be doing some farms right. or something because right. I'm just like I don't eat Taco Bell but I do have friends who eat it mm-hmm. people love it I've never really been a fan of I Taco Bell I have a co-worker Bell. that is like such a fan of Taco Bell that like she would go to the Taco Bell hotel like they have like a resort they do yeah. and I saw the resort and it's cute but I'm like you really like to like Taco she Bell loves it I don't much. get the hype Taco Bell just sent me to the bathroom I could never it don't like, send me to the bathroom but like Taco Bell is like cafeteria tacos it's not like mm-hmm. real tacos it's mm. like i haven't eaten in years and the last time i ate it it was like a drunken night and I had mm-hmm. a crunchy taco because <laughs> like i needed something to eat mm-hmm. and that was the only thing we was around and like my friend went ham she was <laughs> tearing it up i was like i just have a taco <laughs> like i don't know but sorry to my taco bell lovers <laughs> all right two more stories one i want to talk about megan markle she is you know a black royal mm. Now, the UK press has put her through hell, okay? Right. And I don't really keep up with that stuff. However, I saw this clip, and then it made me do more research. Mm -hmm. Um, She was speaking with someone, and the interviewer was talking about just the struggles of being a working mom, being in the press, being newlyweds. Um, And she made a point to say, you know, like, thank you for even asking me that. I'm okay. Most people don't even ask. Mm -hmm. And in her face and demeanor, you can see that that was probably a tough interview and that she's going through a tough time. And to all the racist UK press, (sighs) I wish, like, like, I just, it's disgusting. Right. And they have, Harry and Meghan have put out, like, statements. Like, I went through this whole research Mm because I was just like, what is going on over there? Mm Mm-hmm. You have people calling their baby a monkey. Oh like, my goodness. this child is three-fourths white. 
Like, it's crazy how... And even if it wasn't. Even like, if it wasn't, it's just crazy how racist... Yeah. And, I, and it's like, everywhere. I wonder if they could leave. I know he's a prince or whatever, but could they just pick up and be like, we're not going to... Because at, at a certain point, it becomes unsafe for their family. So at what point can I they don't be know. like, I'm out of here? That's a good question. I don't know because if they Because they ever... have a whole child. That... I don't know if they can leave. Yeah. They have like actual titles. Right. It's very complicated, but I just felt for her. And um, and I also read that they're doing all this stuff on Harry and really Megan mm-hmm. when the whole time Kate and what's his face, he cheating on Kate. Right. And nobody's doing no stories about that. <laughs> no one is picking up on the fact that he was cheating. Because, you know, that's normal. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's normal. Well, his daddy did it, so right. I mean, you're right. <laughs> that ain't nothing special. <laughs> and they were calling Megan like the new princess, like Diane, and like that wasn't a happy ending, folks. Right. So it's like that is not. Um, if I was Megan, that's not a comparison I would really want. In yeah. the in the fact of they compare it with like press wise, gotcha. not really a positive thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Seeing as how she passed, right. Hopefully, they can figure out some better safe, better safety <clears throat> measures for her and the family because that's not cool. Mm-mm. Like, and that video was just heartbreaking. Why? Yeah, like, she legit she was like, like she was like going to break was, down at any moment. She was definitely choosing her words carefully. She looked like at any moment she would just be would just like burst in tears, mm-hmm. and it just made me sad. And it's weird how people don't. I always think it's weird when people don't have empathy, like clear empathy. I know people go through their own things and there are sometimes reasons why people don't have it ab- yeah. in abundance. Yeah. But I really think the world would be in a much better place mm-hmm. if everyone had a healthy dose of empathy right. and understanding because um, that was just sad to watch. Right. All right. I want to get everything out of the way before we got here. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez mm. received a lot of backlash for singing the N-word. She was singing uh, the Fijis. Mm-hmm. Her line was, niggas, give me heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I, I wanted to say the line. <laughs> and in the video, she was getting her makeup done. Um, the music was playing in the background, and she said that line. Right. Then... Obviously, she got backlash. Mm-hmm. She did a video apology. Very dry. Matter of fact, let me see if I can play it and put it up against our mic. Sorry if I offended anyone by singing along to the Fugees to a song I love that I grew up on. I oh. love Lauren Hill. And um, I really am sorry if I offended you. Hey, what's up? So, her tone was very... If y'all could, I mean, I'm sure everyone has seen the video. Right. It did not look genuine. And people... Kept calling her out on that. And then she gave a formal apology, a written one. Because you know her comments and stuff is off. Right. She goes, in song in real life, the words that I spoke should not have been spoken. I grew up loving the Fijis and Lauryn Hill. I thoughtlessly sang along to the lyrics of a favorite song. And even worse, I posted it. The word I sang carries with with a legacy of hurt and pain that I cannot even imagine. Whatever consequences I face for my actions today, none will be more hurtful than the personal remorse I feel watching my own video playing back at me has shaken me to my core. Hmm. No, it ain't. Stop lying. How about it? It is 
humiliating that this has been a public lesson, but it has indeed been a much-deserved lesson. I want to talk about that line, but let me finish. <laughs> I feel so deeply protective and responsible to the community of color, and it's black people. It's not just the community of color. Right. Um, people of color is all all different colors. Right. And, and all people of color can't say names. And all people of color can't say names. So that was something that was pointed out, and I agree with. I have some serious learning and growing to do. I'm so deeply sorry for the pain I've caused. One, this is not the first incident with Gina Rodriguez. Right. People have been claiming, not even claiming, people correctly have been calling her out yeah. of her statements towards black people yep. and her anti-blackness. There's and several, even Afro, anti-Afro-Latina. That as well. There are several occasions of that, and every time she has some sort of apology and clap back, mm-hmm. apology and some sort of explanation. So at this point, there's nothing, I know for the black community, a good portion of us, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can say that will make us believe that. I don't know. A bunch of people's in them comments defending her. A I bunch said, of black people. But I was saying not all. I said a good bunch <laughs> of black people right. feel firm that, like, Cut it. Right. Now, there are also a good amount of black people who allow Hispanic people and don't feel Latino. like it's a big... T- yeah, yeah, Latino people, excuse me. They don't feel like it's a... A problem. They don't feel like it's a big deal that yeah. they say nigga. Yeah. And, um, and then it was, you know, pretty much everyone reacting, which was a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. So for me... I have to be honest, like, I do feel firmly that if you're not black, you don't need to say nigga. Facts. But I also have been around Latino people who have said it, and I haven't, like, necessarily said anything either. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to sit with that myself mm-hmm. and be like, huh. Well, see, I haven't been around no Latino people that are not black that have said it, but I would have said something. I would have been like, can you not say that and then we could have sat there and had the conversation about it if they were willing to i just haven't been around any that do now i'm sure i know some that do they you just do. have not done it around me um and so i would have you know had the conversation with them because if you're not black and yes latino people can be black but if you are not one of those people then i don't want to hear you say it Period. so um so I think I don't know, I feel like black people is pretty split on this. Either yeah. you don't say it at all, and then some people feel like Latino people um, should be allowed should to be say able it. to say it. Yeah. And then it was this whole Afro Latina thing, which for the record is relatively new. That's being discussed as openly. That's it's true. always been a thing. Yeah, because Afro Latina that's that's not some new, new term, right? But I feel like it's been. Um, more prevalent. More prevalent in the and culture. More There's more discussion. conversations yes. about it. Yes. There's more people being more educated on what it is. So yes. that's what I mean. Yeah. And there was this discussion of, you know, what is considered Afro-Latina, what is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardi B was brought up. Like, mm-hmm. she says nigga. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, people brought like, up 6ix9ine, which I never liked him saying it neither, but I ain't like a lot of stuff that he did, so. I, I ain't like nothing he did. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know that man. I, <laughs> I could be walking down the street. And I'm people was like, y'all gave man. him a pass. Didn't nobody give him a pass? I think like... certain people never did, but I feel like people who don't mind mm-hmm. um, Latino people saying it, right. yeah, because they don't care. Right. They don't think it's a big deal. Right. I think there's one thing we can all agree on is we don't like white people saying it. Facts. Um, but the Latino conversation was a lot, that was a lot going on. And yeah. then um, the worst of face from Love and Hip Hop, Amara 
Amara. The ne- like, yeah. Yeah. She did something and she was saying basically that, you know, it shouldn't be in songs. If you, She took that role. And I was yeah. like, girl, but the, I was here's disappointed. always my debate to that. Because the music's people, not for you. Right. But also, most people know I ain't start cussing until like last year. And I would sing songs and literally skip cuss words. And for the record, Sydney only cusses now <laughs> if she's really upset. Because sometimes she'll say, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> she said a word. But, and it's like, I, because I did not use those words on you a regular basis, no, I can easily you sing can a song. You can easily skip over the N word. You can easily skip over whatever word you don't want to say. Exactly. So that's a cop out. Right. It's totally a cop out. Don't say you got caught up. No, because I did it for the majority of my life. It's not hard to do. It's totally a cop out. If you don't cop-out. use those words, you can very easily and intentionally not use those words when singing songs. Period. And what I thought was weird, and I will always think is weird, is watching non black people. Why y'all want to say it so bad? That and feel like y'all have a say in the conversation. Right. If there's going to be a discussion, it's going to be with the black community only right. on who we allow to say it. Right. As a non-black person, you don't have a say. And that think that really irks non-black people right. when they don't have a say in black matters. Uh-huh. It really riles them up. I'm yeah. like, girl, this mm-hmm. don't involve you. Because mm-hmm. then like the conversation came up with like, are mixed people allowed to say it? And like, and people like brought up, and we talked about this earlier, like Tia and Tamara. Um, Tia married a black man. Even though she's mixed, she married a black man. Her children are black presenting. Tamara married a white man. Her kids are pretty white presenting. Now, they're cousins, but people would say that one group of kids can say it and the other group of kids can't say it um, because of how they present differently. But they also, and not to get deep into this because we not talking about like, the one drop rule and like not going down that path but some people were like talking about how like some of them are like only one quarter black and then some are three-fourths black and like having that conversation but my thing is if we were going to have that conversation amongst us and like black mixed people and black cool we can have that conversation but if you are not black no we're not having that conversation and especially for gina she has been very like i am not Afro-Latina. Very I'm much Like, so. very a- against it. So why you want to say that word, girl? But like, what you... Because <laughs> she loves Fiji's and Lenny no, Hill. No. And she loves the music. I don't care how much you love the Fuji's. No. Skip you know, that word. Because she didn't even say the rest of the song. She literally said that one line. Niggas give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> and so it's like, mm. girl, no. And she thought she was A-OK. She posted it and everything. And oh, I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. She y'all. thought she was good to go. But especially for her, since she's been so like anti um Afro Latina, anti black, anti all of these things, then girl no. Would you why would you think that you could say it? And then people are like, Oh, it's a New York thing. I don't care about none of that. If you are not black, I don't wanna hear you say it, period. And I guess it's for and I think I challenge myself and others because I will say the moment when I heard someone say it. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as, uh, you know, I wasn't repping my set like I do now. <laughs> so I'm going to give myself a pass. I was younger. <laughs> um, but definitely now I wouldn't, I would say, you don't need to be saying that or mm-hmm. why to use that word. Uh, but I also feel like not, I don't have that many, at this point, I don't have as many Latino people in my life. Yeah. So it doesn't come up. 
Mm-hmm. It just doesn't come up in the same way when it when I heard it. Right. Then. Right. Um, but uh, I wonder, which side are you on? You decide. <laughs> or y'all let us know how y'all feel. If y'all feel differently than we do, let us know. But uh, TV. TV-wise, um, Bravo moment, super quick. Okay. So they did one of their friendship trips, right? Mm-hmm. And they do these a lot, because there's always this, like, healing thing. We're trying to heal. Mm-hmm. And, but it never works out. Wait, what show is this? Married to Medicine. Okay. It never works out, because, mm-hmm. like, they end up fighting on a trip, fight when they get back. Right. So we're still dealing with these same rumors of... Mariah is being accused of doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. Mariah uh, accused Quad that she slept with her sister's husband. Mm-hmm. Those are some very heavy accusations on both <laughs> right. sides. Mariah is upset because she feel like the entire group of women never, they just believe Quad. Never really, never even spoke up on her behalf to say, Quad, I don't think that's true. Why did you say that? Right. And that hurt her feelings. Right. And then for, but I can think, and then for Quad, a few of them was like, Quad wouldn't do that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so she's feeling like, why is no one supporting her mm-hmm. um, vocally? Right. So this is what I'll say. The whole thing is this. You, in the past, have said things about people. Mm-hmm. and, and um, But have also come out to say that you didn't mean it or it wasn't true. You was upset. Mm-hmm. So when it came to the quad thing, I think that's part of the reason why people were like, girl, you lying because you've lied before. Mm-hmm. At the same time, for you to go to be so upset, like, why are they so upset at me when you literally do the same behavior? I think it's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, she's literally crying about it, fussing about it, mm-hmm. will not let this go. And I'm like, but you, you've you done it. You've done it several times to several different women. Mm-hmm. Throughout the series. Right. And now you So know now it happens to you and you're like, how could y'all believe this? Da, 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 da. Why y'all not defending me? And it's like, like, girl, the same way you did it. The same way you did it and the same way people didn't defend whoever was in the line of fire. Right. So I do wonder where it's going to go because um, clearly this isn't going away. Outside of that, the season is starting to bore me just because it's the same two things. Mm. Give me something new. <laughs> Um, at least let's move the story on. You can forgive each other and just stay mad at each other. I just don't want to talk about the cocaine or sleep with the, the, the sister's brother's husband. I don't want to talk about it no more. That's it. Because it's very brief. Because okay. I'm like, I'm annoyed. Although, Houses of Atlanta is gearing up in November, and I will be giving updates on that. Okay. I said it before. Commercials look juicy. Um... Kenya's back, you know, Nene was on the outs with people. Uh-huh. It's gonna be good. <laughs> okay. Um, are you caught up on This Is Us? I am. I don't really have much to say. I thought it was, you know, it's one of those episodes where the storyline moves forward, mm-hmm. but there's not nothing nothing big. that shocked me to be like, oh my God. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Agreed. I do feel like Kate um is like jealous of Toby and his health journey. Yes. And uses any moment to like Bring attack him on that. Yep. And I was sitting there like, girl, just because you can't keep your hands out the Cheeto jaw, don't mean you need to be attacking somebody. And I say that as a fat girl. I felt like, girl, deal with your own emotions. Mm-hmm. If you're wanting, if you're feeling. And at the end, you know, she took a walk, so it looked like she's yeah, going to get say, back on track. With the but that wasn't fair mm-hmm. that he's deciding to use his energy in that way. Yeah. Because they're both stressed, and he's just using his by working out, and hers is by eating, which, right. hey, 
been there, done that. Right. Yeah. So it's not judgment on that. And I just was like, you sitting there getting frustrated. And they were like, but you always want to be at the gym. Like somehow he's not taking care of his responsibilities as a husband and a father. Right. Like he always Because you gym. didn't even notice that he you was at the gym. You didn't even know he was going to the gym. <laughs> right. So like clearly no. <laughs> right. You're reaching. <laughs> right. Agreed. Um, I don't think there's anything else to catch up on. Like we said, there wasn't an episode of Power. So um, we'll be back on that next week. Mm-hmm. So we had a question of the week. Um, it was, would you rather lock eyes with a stranger through the bathroom stall or accidentally walk in on your boss on the toilet? Um, and so, Headshock1906 said, what the F? I'm going to go with ac- accidentally walking in on the boss. Can't be locking eyes with no strangers. Too intimate of a moment. Um, local- I would think it's better to do a stranger than your boss. That's what you I thought, them. too. That well, So, we responded and said, don't you think you'd lock eyes with your boss, though? Um, and he said, most certainly not, because once you walk in on someone, my natural reaction is to instantly look away. So Still, I still feel like, because he's saying it's too intimate, mm-hmm. I'd rather do that with a stranger than someone I got to see Again. at the staff meeting <laughs> two hours from now. I don't know. Um... Then Local Color Podcast said, lock eyes with a stranger. I may never see them again. Figgity facts. Um, Thumbelina said, walking on my boss. Africa Wilkins said, my boss is a man, so I guess locking eyes with a stranger. We both know what goes down in the stalls. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and then All Natural Moore said, a stranger, because I don't have to worry about seeing them again after that. Well, my boss is a, well, she left. <laughs> I miss her. <laughs> my boss is a woman, so like if I... Um, that wouldn't have been anything. I yeah. probably just would have looked away. I don't think it's not something we would have discussed, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I rather would do like a stranger because it's like you're a stranger. I never have to see you again. Mm-hmm. Boom, bang, boom, it's done. I would choose my boss because me and my boss are cool, so it would probably just be really funny. Like I don't think it would be anything like past that. It would just be a funny moment, and we would keep pushing. So I would just choose that because. It seems like it seems like something that could happen, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. <laughs> like, gotcha. so I'm gonna choose that one. We all love coming home to packages, right? I love coming home to my monthly Revel Wine Club package. Revel Wine is a personalized wine club tailored to a customer's taste, budget, and lifestyle by employing eight award-winning winemakers worldwide. Revel Wine is able to cut out the middleman, allowing it to provide the best wine at a great value. Revel's regular organic and sulfate-free wine allows you to choose the type and quantity of wine and how often it is delivered. So if monthly is too often for you, you can spread out your deliveries as needed. I just don't know of another wine club that's so affordable. Check out RevelWineClub.com to join and use promo code GGBB30% for 30% off your first purchase. Come on, you know you want to sip. Okay, guys, so for today's episode, we have the lovely Dr. Rachel with us. Um, We're really excited because, one, you guys submitted so many questions. So if you don't know and you're not paying attention to our Instagram when we told you, uh, Dr. Rachel is... She's a sexologist. She's a doctor. She was on the Emmy Award-winning talk show, The Doctors. She has her own um, institute. She's an author. 
She's done speaking engagement. She's done it all. And we're so excited to have her here today. Hi, Dr. Rachel. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes. So we're excited to have you too. So like first we just wanted to kind of just know a little bit more about you. How did you know you wanted to be a doctor, especially since you had a, a family, you had a medical practice, and then you did the sexology. How did it all come to be? How did you know this is what you wanted to do? Wow, that's a great question. Well, you know what? I've always been interested in sex, and I think, you know, going way back to being a, a little girl and trying to figure out why certain things happen to you or why you like certain things. You know, mm-hmm. I can still think back to that very first time where I... I was on a, a, a trip overseas and I've had a little handheld, um, you know, handheld water sprayer because that was really big in European countries at the time. Mm-hmm. And I took that water, water sprayer and was trying to wash myself up as a little person. And I was like, oh, what is that there? <laughs> and so, so honestly, I think that was the beginning of it. And then, you know, fast forward to college and just being interested in HIV transmission and how that was all sex based. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, at the time people were dying from HIV. And then fast forward to medical school, not getting any sex ed other than just like, well, this is how you make a baby. Right. You know? Right. Other than that. So all of that just inspired me to be like, look, I mean, we need more information about sex, and I want to be the person to bring it. So that's how it started. <laughs> I like that. Like that's a genuine, you know, way to make that your passion and turn that into your life's work. So I really love that. Well, thank you, thank you, and that's kind of why I started the Dr. Rachel Institute too, because I know there are people coming up behind me and with me who want the similar opportunities to be a sexologist mm-hmm. and to really help people with sex lives and their relationships. So that's how the institute started. It's just like, well, I mean, I had a hard time finding this pathway. You know, there weren't any programs, there weren't any ways to train. Mm-hmm. So now that I can actually train people and help them launch their careers as sexologists, man, it's like I. I finally feel like I'm home, you know? Right. So for your institute, is this, is this something that someone could do online? Because I know you're based in Cali. So if, you know, we're in Baltimore, if I was interested, this is an institute that's like online based or is there, is there any limitations on it? No, that, that's a perfect question. The majority of the coursework is online, so you go at your own pace. You know, we have some live components, but those are all scheduled and, you know, based off of office hours where we kind of do like a Zoom group camera type of thing mm-hmm. where we do some lessons and go over concepts. So the coolest part is that it was designed for the busy professional, people who have other things going on, maybe moms and dads who don't want to feel like, who don't feel like traveling. So in 2000. Um, 20, we're actually going to do some in-person events too, where you can actually go through the program in in person. Oh. But the majority of it is online, which I think the average student really, really enjoys because life is tough. You got stuff to do. You're busy. Right. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So bringing up like parenthood, because I know you're a mother, how do you find balance? Because you know, your mother, you have your institute, you're on the doctors, like you have, you had a you know, late night radio show, you have a very full schedule. How do you find balance and how do you make sure just as a woman, you still get your you time, make sure you, you know, you're spending time and you feel like you're being a good mom. Like, how do you balance it all? Yeah. You know what? I don't think there's such a thing as balance. I'm just <laughs> kind to myself. Right. Yeah. So like, 
like for instance, when I really mess up or I'm really not doing something that I think I probably should be, I, I don't beat myself up about it, you know? And I think that as women, oftentimes we're hard on ourselves and beat ourselves up. I celebrate the small stuff, you know, mm. like the slightest little thing that happens good for me. I kind of celebrate. We're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> and the, the stuff that I mess up on and I F up royally, I just kind of forgive myself and just, you know, encourage myself to do better the next time, meditate on it a little bit, visualize myself doing better the next time. And eventually all of that swirls in together. And then gratitude. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, let me let me be really thankful for the stuff that's really working well in my life. And I think that that sets the tone for the rest of the week, the rest of the day, and it becomes infectious to the people around you. So maybe make a mix of gratitude, not taking life super seriously, forgiving myself, and then congratulating myself for the littlest things. Oh, you had no chocolate today. Oh, you you, de- you deserve some chocolate. You know, that type of thing. You know something? <laughs> I did not have chocolate today, and after we finish, I'm going to have a piece. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I legit barely go a day without chocolate. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> I like to eat chocolate kind of like an after-dinner mint. <laughs> 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 That's right, me too. I, I keep these like dark chocolate almonds. And Ooh. so like after dinner, I just like have two or three. Right. I mean, I don't think it's doing me as right as I would like to admit that it is. But chocolate just makes me feel so good. It does. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we relate. Yes. And uh, relating to feeling good, I wanted to ask you about your another project of yours. You have an upcoming book called Getting Some Brain. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Yes, I'm so excited. So Getting Some Brain is like a book series that really designed to help us get into the brain chemistry behind certain things that happen to us. And the first one Mm. is for people who are coupled up and really, you you know how it is. You start dating somebody, it's perfect, it's great, you feel good, you want to have sex with them. And then after a little while, it's kind of like, okay, well let's go see a movie let's go eat dinner and then the sex kind of declines a little bit the passion declines you're not as interested in them as you used to be so the whole idea is how do you get into a relationship and kind of keep the passion going keep the sexual chemistry going Mm -hmm. keep the excitement going and it's based off of a good mix between like clinical practice that i've had and you know, just just the science behind it all. And I think that if we all understood the science behind what's happening when we're dating and when we're in love and we're out of love and we're we're dejected and feeling heartbroken, if you understand all that stuff that's happening in our bodies, it makes it easier to cope with it, deal with it and kind of strategize. Because honestly, sex and relationships, there's a bit of a game to it. Mm -hmm. And if we can get it right, you know, we'll just be in better situations. So. I That's couldn't agree about. more. I think myself and all the listeners could <laughs> benefit benefit from that. <laughs> yes. That's good. Yay. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so totally. So so you know, really log on to getting some brain.com. Getting some brain.com is just like it sounds. And you know, just sign up for alerts so that you can get information about the upcoming release. We're going to do like a book release tour. So okay. I'm excited about that. So I get the chance to get out and meet people and shake some hands and um, kiss some babies. So I'm really excited <laughs> about it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to dive right in. So in this next 
a section of just ask Dr. Rachel. Yes. So once again, thank you guys for submitting your questions. There have been interesting. There are scenarios. I am curious to hear your thoughts. So we're just gonna jump right in. Yep. Sydney can start off. Alrighty. Um. So one of the first questions that we got from a listener. In your opinion, what does it mean to become a sex addict? Mm, that's a great question. Now, you know, typically the word sex addiction and sex addict has kind of gone out of favor. So we actually call it kind of having compulsions when it comes to sex, mm. which basically means that, you know, because you're feeling a certain way, you act out compulsions or different things that are repetitive behavior based off of a feeling that you have inside. And Mm. usually that feeling is depression or anxiety Mm. and it becomes a bit of a, of, of a cycle. And so when it comes to sex addiction or sexual compulsions, what I always say is that when you start to find yourself in a cycle where you feel like you're headed in that direction and how you'll know is if the sexual activity or the things that you're doing are interfering with your personal life, they're interfering with your professional life. You're finding that you're maybe late to family events or, or work events because you've been, you know, masturbating or with somebody. The next point would be doing reckless behavior, maybe hooking up with people that you know, you're meeting in the alley or in the stairwell and and just randomly doing different types of sexual acts. When you find that those types of things are are happening and you're endangering your life and endangering your professional career and taking away from your family, that's when you know things start to become an issue. Mm -hmm. And that's when either you want to reach out for professional help or go through like a 12-step program like Alcoholics Anonymous. They have sexual, sexual, sex addicts anonymous, believe it or not. Oh. But different programs like that where you kind of say, you know, you make a contract with yourself about the behaviors that you're not going to do in order to kind of get yourself reacclimated into life without um, the addiction part of it stuff. So what would you say is the difference between a habitual cheater and someone with a compulsion um, that involves sex? Ooh, that's good. I know. That's really good. Yeah. I think, well, well, the difference would probably be like a a compulsive cheater technically has maybe some narcissistic tendencies behind which they're trying to have met by compulsively cheating or maybe even some social things that they've grown up in an environment where cheating was celebrated and Mm. seemed like the norm Mm. and so as a result of it they're just habitually cheating Mm -hmm. whereas a sex addict is more so someone who is seeking the the ejaculatory response or the orgasmic response as a way to chase away bad feelings and and bad thoughts. So yeah, they're, they're kind of, they can overlap, but Mm -hmm. they're definitely not the same thing because when you're a compulsive cheater, Hey, you've been getting away with it. It Mm -hmm. makes you feel like the person, you know, it just gives you this extra swag. You know, our music talks about it. Mm -hmm. You know, our movies talk about it. It just makes you feel like you're part of the culture per se. Whereas a sex addict means that you are chipping away at, you know, the foundations of your career, of your life, of your family. So they're a little different, uh, but they can't overlap. Hmm. Great question. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have one from a listener. Um, I'm dating a guy who lives with his child's mother. It's apparently just for the child and I just don't trust it. Would you? 
So I guess she's just wanting to know your opinion on the matter. I think that's weird. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. I'm telling you, there is a, a natural attraction between people who've made a baby together. Okay? And if they're living in the same home, they may not like each other. And they may not be doing it regularly. But it happens every now and then. So, no, I wouldn't trust that at all. I, I, I wouldn't date a person who... And I wouldn't suggest you date a person who is still living with their baby's mother or their baby's father. It's just not, you, you, you'll, you know what? And the worst part is you'll drive yourself crazy trying to figure it out. Yeah. You deserve way better than that because here it is. You got to focus on your career, your job, your studies. And now you got to worry about whether or not he's messing with his baby mama. No, <laughs> cut that. That's not where we want to be. Absolutely not. Well, you got our answer. <laughs> And I agree. <laughs> right? Oh, that ain't me. I hate that for her. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So another listening qu- listener question was, what are some of the best ways to keep it spicy in the bedroom? We well, got to get uh, that book. <laughs> right. Yes, you got to get the book. You got to get the book because really, honestly, keeping it spicy in the bedroom is a really a mix of teasing a little bit you know like what we, what we find is that notice like if you go away with your bae for the weekend right and you guys go somewhere nice and you have sex the whole weekend all over and over and over and over again what we notice is and studies show that when you get back bae really isn't all that interested in hanging out you know they're spending more time alone you're like wait what happened i gave all that good head i did all these great things this <laughs> in an action what in the world well, you, you know, what happens is that every time, particularly a gentleman ejaculates, is that his dopamine levels drop straight down to the ground. And what that means is that dopamine is like fuels our passion, our excitement. We're looking forward to things. And so if there's no dopamine present, they're really not looking forward to anything. So what you're doing by just, you know, running it into the ground and, you know, just having sex over and over and over, ejaculation after blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, what happens is they're just not as interested. And so what you want to do is you want to infuse a little bit of teasing. You know, you want to infuse a little bit of fun and mystery because mystery, fun, and and the unknown is kind of what fuels excitement and passion. So it's not all about sex toys and this and this and that. It's about doing things differently, switching it up, and not just overdoing it. It's kind of like your favorite restaurant, right? What's your favorite restaurant? I don't um, even know. <laughs> I don't anything with pasta. <laughs> okay. Mine is Olive Garden. Oh, okay, Garden. not the Olive Garden for me, Bread, but... Breadsticks and salads. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, if we had that every day Ooh. for three months, wouldn't you be sick of damn Olive Garden, right? Sick and So, so it's, <laughs> it's sex is the same thing. This could be your favorite person, sex with a favorite thing. So you don't want to wear it out. You want to stretch it out. You want to tease a little bit. You want to leave them hanging every now and then mm-hmm. because what that does is makes them look forward to it a little more. It's like the so, buildup. Yes. Perfect. Ooh. Love it. Absolutely. So you kind of want to switch it up, do things differently, and infuse mystery and unknown as opposed to just same old, same old, same old. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I do too. Okay. Okay. Oh, Oh. (laughs) next one. What do you define as cheating? 
Now, keeping that in mind, because I feel like, I guess it's like what the couple defines, but still. They right, I feel like everyone like, defines it differently. They want to know uh, your professional uh. opinion. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you guys are right. Every, everybody's got a different opinion on that, but I will say, you know, emotional cheating is something that's probably a little uh, bit of, of, of a bigger fear than the physical cheating part, you know, because I think some people can cheat and stick their penis or, you know, rub their vagina on somebody and not even think about them ever again, rest of the days of life, you know, but whereas emotional cheating means that, you know, we're texting, you're, you're answering questions, maybe giving intimate details that that's nobody knows. Maybe I don't even know. And so honestly forming a connection an emotional connection uh, is is probably the worst form of cheating than just forming a physical connection because you could do that in a weekend, never see that person again, and barely remember their name. Mm-hmm. So cheating would be just any form of connecting with someone outside of the boundaries of the relationship, and that's where we go wrong. We don't set boundaries. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, you ask people now, you'd be like, so are you guys in a committed relationship? Well, I think so. You know? Oh, so did you guys talk about it? He's not seen anybody else you're not messing with nobody else what uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure well how are you pretty sure did you ask him did you mm-hmm. talk about it mm-hmm. did you set the rules and the boundaries mm-hmm. so if you don't set any rules and you don't set any boundaries and you're not very clear about it then we can always maneuver out of the situation and act like well I mean we never said that I didn't say that we didn't what what <laughs> so but we got to be more clear about what our expectations are in order for them to get ever get met mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I agree. You got to be open and honest about it because you someone can't cross the line that they didn't know was there. Right. Yes. Yes, and that makes a great excuse, right? Well, I didn't know you I felt like to that. I say that. Yeah. Cop out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Um. So another listener question: They actually looked at your page and everything, and they saw you discussing foods. Um, that are essentially nature's little blue pill. And so they wanted to know, are there any foods that you should eat daily for your sexual health? Ah, you know, this is so good. So, you know, when it comes to sexual health and, and really what it comes down to is blood flow and hormones. We want our blood flow to be right and we want our hormones to be where they need to be. And for both women and men, we want to eat as close to the earth as possible. Because we know that fruits and vegetables and lean cuts of meat actually will get us there. Because the problem with processed foods and things that come in boxes and bags and have a bunch of ingredients are they have something called endocrine disruptors in it. And what those do is they get in our bodies and they disrupt our hormonal system and can cause all types of problems. They can cause problems with fertility. They can cause problems with sex drive problems with erections, problems with blood flow. So what you want to do is try to have a diet that's based as much as possible on fruits, vegetables, lean cuts of meat, and try to eat as organic as possible. Now, of course, there's a long line of things that we can say will increase blood flow to your genitalia, you know. Mm -hmm. I always call watermelon nature's Viagra because it's got L-citrulline in it and it'll increase nitric oxide, which causes blood flow to the genital area because the blood, the blood vessels dilate and fill with blood. But I think the best thing that we can be doing on a daily basis is some exercise and eating nutritious things that we know are antioxidants and will increase, help increase blood flow and decrease inflammation in the body. Bam. Now, follow-up question, because, yes. you know, 
apple cider vinegar, people say to take it for everything. Know, sexual health, yeah. you lose weight, everything. So, but you're brought to smell better. Like, everything. Is there, in your opinion, as far as sexual health, is there actually a benefit to taking, you know, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar every day? Now that is so, I'm so glad you asked that because believe it or not, there actually is. So we can use, the, the interesting thing about apple cider vinegar and having been a physician and a sexologist for all these years, I have advocated for apple cider vinegar for everything from gas and reflux on down to vaginal uh, pH balance. So whether you're taking it internally or whether you are putting it in your water to kind of do a soak to help rebalance the vagina and get, you know, things right. It, apple cider vinegar, it happens to be that one thing that seems like it's got, uh, you know, ways that we can use it in all realms of it. So I think it's a mix of the fact that it is acidic, you know, and I think we, we, we tend to think if you're focused on wellness, you think you tend to think alkaline is better, mm-hmm. but we know particularly for vaginal health, that we need to be more acidic down there, so it's helpful down there. But also, when it comes to uh, feeding the probiotic, the, 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 the microbiota, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to use that word, but really all it means is all of this bacteria that makes us up and makes us into healthy beings. When it comes to making sure that the bacteria that's good inside of us that needs to do what it needs to do has the nutrients available, Apple cider vinegar is a main way to make sure that that part is functioning well. And now that can go off into a whole other conversation about, you know, our microbiome and whether probiotics are important and all of that. But I think what we do with apple cider vinegar, and I see this a lot like on, on our popular shows and in our magazines, is we talk about how it's helpful in all these different ways, but we really don't go into the science behind it because it's very complicated. But mm-hmm. I, I would advocate to say that I keep apple cider vinegar, organic apple cider vinegar, Bragg's apple cider vinegar in my cabinet. My little daughter, who's three, uses it for certain purposes, and I use it for myself for certain purposes. So I really do believe in it. And I think it it's it's kind of one of those magical elixirs. I think back in the day, people used to use cod liver oil in a similar way, right? right. You hear these yep. stories that, that grandmama would make people take it and all that. Well, apple cider vinegar is the new cod liver oil. Yeah, sure. It's got all these purposes. Right. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> so switching gears, do you ever feel like it's appropriate to lie in a relationship? And I think they mean, I guess, like, they call them like little white lies. Do I look fat in this? Stuff like that. I'm I'm thinking that's what they mean. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, I'm dying to hear what you guys think on this one. I, don't... I think it is okay at certain points because, for example, if I want to surprise you for your birthday and you asking too many questions, I'm going to lie. Point blank, period. So I think in certain instances, yeah. You do have to do it, and I think, you know, once you get that surprise party and you're happy, you'll understand. It's okay that you lied. Right. (laughs) And it's like, I'm not, in that instance, I'm not lying to harm you. I'm literally just trying to surprise you for your birthday. Like, I don't, as long as the white lie is not to, you know, harm you in any way, then I think then it's fine. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and I think you're right. I think you have to lie with strategy in mind, you know, like, for instance, if we're talking about sex, 
you know, if you're trying to get your partner to switch up their technique a little bit and trying to teach them a little something, if you don't lie a little bit, <laughs> then they'll never get their self-esteem up around the issue, right? You have to try something new, and then, you know, you exaggerate it a little bit, and you might lie the next day, a little white lie, and be like, that was fantastic, Bay." But it's really designed for the greater cause, the strategy of which to help encourage positive behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, you do it with kids, you do it with your partner. So I think that little white lies are okay if you got the right strategy behind it, just like y'all do. So I, I agree, totally. So, so a piggyback, because my next a question that we got just about someone being in a relationship and everything is great, but the sex, how... What's the strategy of using white lies in regards to, like, sex? Because, like, if they're trying something and it wasn't that great, but you're trying to encourage them to keep trying, like, what's the balance there so that you are... That is with purpose and that ultimately you're getting to, like, a more satisfying sex life? I love this question because really what it is at this point is you lead with what's working and then you hit them with what's not. You know, you're like... (laughs) You know, babe, I love when you kiss me on my neck like that. Oh, I mean, it just sends me to another place. However, <laughs> when you stick your fingers in and it, you know, something, we got to work on that. You, know, so <laughs> you, you, you use, you know, you use the positive to kind of make them feel like, oh, okay. But then you, you, you hit them with the real mm-hmm. right after that because. <laughs> Too often, we see people who've been in these relationships. You'd be surprised. I've seen couples that have been together for 10 years, and they still have been lying about what they like. See, that just sounds sad. Yes. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Ooh, what a waste. And actually, that's connected to a, a listener question that I got, too. And um, it was someone that they their spouse hasn't desired sex with them in years. And they want to know how to start the conversation of, you know, what is wrong? Like, we're still here, but we not doing nothing. Hire Dr. Uh-huh. Rager, because that seemed like a professional. That seems like <laughs> a session is needed. <laughs> well, you you know what? You'd be surprised. And you see it a lot on, like, Instagram and Facebook. People will be like, my BFF and I. And, you know, it'll be a picture of them and their, their husband or their wife. You know, when people are talking about BFF and my best friends and my partners, really, to me, that's code for... We love each other, but we ain't had sex in a minute, and sex is not that good. So Mm -mm. this is a fairly common complaint. And what it's got to start with is an expression of how much it's impacting our lives, you know. Because here's the thing. When you complain, man, I mean, we haven't had sex in a couple weeks, blah, blah, blah. People hear, ah, you know, he just wants sex or she just wants sex. I mean, this is ridiculous. But what they're really saying is, I I don't feel connected to you. You know, this is an important part of me that's missing because we're not sexually active. And what they're also saying is that there are plenty of other people who smile at me and wave at me every day and flirt with me on my DMs. And I've ignored them all because I want to be with you, but you still not giving me any. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once it's very clear that this is a problem, now the couples need to come together to figure out what they can do to solve the problem right because i think oftentimes one person is like well i mean sex isn't that serious to me and the other one is like it's pretty serious to me right. and so right. how can we meet in the middle and and honestly the get the, our first getting some brain book is really about that it's about how do we have these difficult conversations and you know you've got worksheets because honestly if you go through a circle this is important to me i disagree i agree 
very quickly, then we can see very easily how important this is and whether or not it's impacting the relationship so much that I'm considering leaving or cheating. Mm -hmm. And I think what ultimately has to be the key is that we don't want our partners to slip out on us. We don't want, we would prefer for us to find some middle ground here. So what can we do to improve sex to the point where we're both interested? And sometimes it's not even a technique problem. It's just that one person just isn't that sexual and isn't that interested. So figuring out where they are on that continuum and figuring out how to get each person's needs met is, is, is at the most important part of it. And then I think the person who's not having sex with the other one, I mean, I mean, sex is like the gym. When you've been with someone for about five years to 10 years, 15, 20, all that, I mean, like it, it becomes like, well, exercising, right? We know we feel good after we exercise. It's wonderful. But do we like going to the gym? Hell no. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like sex becomes like that for some people, but you've got to see the benefit in it, right? We know if we go to the gym, we're going to live longer. We're going to feel better. We're going to look better. All these different things. We're going to decrease our risk of having cancer. So sex with your partner becomes part of that, right? We're going to get along better. They're probably going to take the trash out more, do the dishes, clean up around here, dance around, be happier, be less argumentative if I give them some. So what ways... <laughs> Can I make it so that I want to give them more? And what ways can I make it so that it's more enjoyable for myself so I'm willing to do that for them? And so it kind of becomes this process of figuring out what works and what doesn't and what are my motivators and what's not. Because, hey, let's face it, motivators come in all shapes and sizes. It could be motivated, well, you know, birthday's coming up. I'm, I really want these new shoes, so let me give, give him or her some extra. <laughs> motivators can be, well, you know what? I know if I give them some, they'll be more likely to clean up tomorrow. So let me do that. You know, so what we have to do is instead of thinking of it in terms of sex drive, we need to think of it in terms of sexual motivators. What types of things make you feel like having it? You know, is it because some people flirted with you at, at work and now you're feeling horny? What is it? And so whatever those mm. motivators are, you want to infuse more of those motivators into the relationship so that, bam, now before you know it, you you're engaged in sexual activity even more because everybody's getting what they want it's a negotiation right i have a question because like i've made jokes about it as a young person as a young yeah. person we have sex you know we think we want to get married maybe one day mm -hmm. and sometimes we'll think about married couples how they lose sex and i think sometimes we're like how how does that how does that happen? Mm. And I know from my angle, like sometimes at work or sometimes I've been in school and I've made comments like they need to just be laid. Like I know I've made comments <laughs> like that. Like they probably just need their back crack. Do you <laughs> And I'm asking I'm saying all that to ask like, do you is there so sort of like science statistics around like literally it's like sex makes you in a better demeanor? Cause like statistically, millennials right now don't have that much Sex, sex between like work yep. and we're stressed and we got all this mm -hmm. debt that's slowly killing us. Yeah. Would we be happy if we just were getting laid more? I mean Oh yeah, yeah. There's so much science behind how stress decreases I'm sorry, just how sex decreases sex. I mean how stress <laughs> how sex decreases stress levels and decreases inflammation in the body. I mean, there's there's so much science behind the benefits of sex. And, and when you're coupled up with somebody, it just improves interpersonal communication. So absolutely. And, and that's what makes me sad about 
millennials is the fact that you guys are so free of thought and make such great ideas and such great purveyors of these ideas, but at the same time, you're not connecting as much. And I think part of it has to do with, you know, your cell phone, you know, because it becomes an extension of you. But I also think that part of it is that you guys are just like, not about the bullshit, not about the nonsense, you know, so the minute bullshit pops up or nonsense pops up, you're just like, well, forget it. I, I, I'm, I'm on to the next. And so I think any amazing things are worth putting a little extra energy into it. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys are just like, fuck it. I'll I <laughs> go on to the next. You know, you're really, you're, your BS tolerance is much lower than, than previous generations. And I, I feel, love that. I feel a little red, just a little bit. Cause I, so then what's, okay, so then this is my own person. So then like, in your opinion, what's the balance? Because I definitely have a low BS meter. And I get so irritated with men in the age range that I dated, they're so irritating. And like my mom will say it, they'll always be irritating. So it's like, how am I supposed to find my man? Like they get on my nerves, Dr. Rachel. I, <laughs> but I, yes. I, I like men though. I want to be with them. Yes. Yes. Well, you know what? You got to train them honestly, because they don't know, you know, they don't know what annoys you they don't know what gets you they don't know what you like so i mean you really kind of have to train them and and this is one thing that you got to make sure that you know that men boys they all want a challenge right you've seen them with the video games right they'll play it and play it and play and a minute they beat the game they're over it you'll be like oh are you still playing such and such they're like no i'm not playing that i'm not playing such and such because they've won Right. And so there's no challenge there. It's not interesting to them anymore. And they're on to the next. And so if you would take some of that, that stuff from the old school that just sounds ridiculous and infuse it into this millennial, you guys would be winning. The girls would be winning and slaying the game because we know for a fact that once men conquer something and feel like there's no challenge there, they're really not that interested in it. But if there's somebody who's giving them a little resistance, they trying to go out with them and they're like, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy today. You know, or, oh, I, I thought we were going out today. Well, no, you didn't make an appointment with me. I'm very busy. You know, all of those types of things or holding out a little bit or not, not responding to their text messages the minute they they hit you, you know, all of those types of things, there's something in science called a frustration attraction, right? And what happens is, unfortunately, it happens to us as ladies all the time. We get frustrated. They're not answering their text messages. They're not responding. And so ultimately what ends up happening is you're like, why are they texting me back? God damn it. You know, so you, you become almost obsessed with it. You're like, well, wait a minute. I thought we were on to something. He's not even texting back. I haven't heard from him in six hours. But what that mm-hmm. is, is something called frustration attraction. And you got to use that to your benefit where you're frustrating them. Because unfortunately, when we got a little bit of a hurdle, a little bit of frustration, we become more attracted to the person. It draws us further in. And if you're too easy with all that type of stuff, then there's no frustration there. They're, you know, they're on to the next. It's not very exciting. So you got to challenge them and you got to push their buttons. It is a game. I'm sorry. It is, you know, it is a game because what you want to do is put your best foot forward, keep them interested and ultimately decide within that 
point whether or not they work for you or not. So give it, but if they leave too early and are off to the next too early, then you don't even get the chance to feel that way. So you've got to challenge them. You've got to put hurdles in their way. You've got to not be super easy because science tells us over and over again that their dopamine levels go up when they're challenged. So you got to challenge them a little bit. And, and it may feel hard at first because you're like, well, I mean, if I do this, you know, they might not, you know, they might not be that interested. But if you do it, they'll be more interested. I promise. Hmm. Interesting. That is. That's slightly annoying, though. I can't even <laughs> Yeah. Isn't it? It's annoying. The, the stuff you've got to put out there to kind of make things start to fall in the right place. But honestly, men need to work for something. It's kind of like, you know, if you've ever watched an old movie from like the 20s or so. Ladies used to drop their handkerchief and men would come and pick it up and, and they would start a dialogue or conversation with it. But men, honestly, there's this part of them that they want to kind of save somebody. They want to be helpful. They want to feel of service. Trash. So put their asses to work. <laughs> Make them pay the bill. I'll never understand. Well, you know, we go Dutch. I pay my part and he pays. No, forget that. Make him pay because if he pays, he feels like he's put some effort forward. But if you're paying for everything and splitting everything, making his life super easy and fancy, he's looking for that next person that's going to abuse him and treat him bad and use up all his money. So meet him somewhere in the middle and give him some, give him some hurdles, give him some, some thing that he's got to like get around to get to you. And you'd be surprised the output. They, they become different people when you do that. So then... My, I'm sorry, because I want a heart, but my question is, like, so then how long do you have to put up hurdles? Because, like, for me, like, I do believe that. I do think guys are attracted to, like, challenges. They like when you're not that into them. Like, I have done it. It is true. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I really don't want to be into me. But that's another thing. <laughs> but, like, so once you actually get them there, when do you, when can you stop and not have to do stuff like that? Like, you literally just can be not have to be conscious of trying to have any type of hurdle or challenge them. I think for me, that's what feels exhausting because I feel like, part of me feel like, I do agree it is a game even if you don't want it to be and even though I feel like it shouldn't be, it kind of is. So when do you just like, okay, we like each other and we can stop doing this foolishness? I guess that's a personal call. Yeah, you know what? I think you you got to have that conversation eventually where it's like, you know what? I really like you and I think you like me. I was like, so... So, and I think you shift the game a little bit when you have that dialogue about, let's just see each other. And I think that that's missing from y'all's relationships, that conversation of like, let's just do this together. Let's just see if we work. Because here's the problem. If you're constantly seeing two or three other guys on the side, and he's constantly seeing two or three girls on the other side, you guys never get the chance to focus on each other. And so you never feel confident enough to drop the game. You never feel confident enough that it's just the two of us trying to make this work. So there needs to be more dialogue around that point where you want the relationship to shift a little bit. And I think, you know, and you do this a lot with the back and forth, right? The back and forth is like, well, you know, you break up with somebody and then three months later, six months later, they're back because you've always kind of liked them and felt like maybe they were the one as you go through it again. And then (laughs) off and on and off and on. And, you know, ladies, we got to step up and be like, look, I'm not about your roller coaster. We're not doing this. We're either going to put our, both of our feet in. You're going to stop seeing everybody else. And I am too. Or we're not, because the problem is with the guys is they don't trust you. 
you know, they think that you're out for no good and for damage and that you're seeing a bunch of people too. So unfortunately, because there's been this trust issue built up through our music and our culture and all these other things and the people we watching around of around us, guys don't trust the girls and the girls don't trust the guys. So mm-hmm. instead of getting got, you just keep getting, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's there's true. gotta be a point where you find one that you like, you know, you're like, you know what? I like this one more than the others. I would like to see where this goes and that you have that honest dialogue with them in person, you know, or, or, you know, at least with eye contact through FaceTime, where you're just like, look, I think we need to try to make this work. This is the, these are the, the rules that I think we need to set. What do, what do you think about that? And they'll appreciate that. They'll go off of that. And then you can make really good, strong decisions based off of how that turns out. You know, so you'll be comfortable leaving them in the dust and not trying again later if they mess that all up. Or you'll be comfortable when he asks you to marry him being like, oh, okay, well, we made it through all of this. Absolutely. So uh, it, it really does have to be about being as transparent as you can be and, and infusing some trust, which I know millennials really have a hard time with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And so... Great questions. <laughs> um, for our last listener question, we actually had a listener reach out and say that they have been wanting to speak with a sexologist, but they've been kind of afraid. So what are some things that people can expect in their first kind of discovery session or what can they expect um, either an individual or a couple from the entire process of, you know, contacting a, a sexologist? Oh, this is such a good question. Well, the first visit is always going to be kind of intake, you know, your sexual history, what types of things work for you, what types of things haven't, and kind of why you're there. Uh, Because what we have to understand about our sexuality is it's so dependent on our past history with sex. It's so dependent on what's going on in our lives on a daily basis. And I tell people all the time that the reason our program is called Clinical Sexuality Coaching is that sex and sexuality has so much to do with how you're feeling, what you're eating, Mm -hmm. your physical activity level, how you see the universe, whether you're stressed, Mm -hmm. all those different things. So a part of it is sex, but a part of it is really your lifestyle and the things that surround you. So a really good sexologist gets in tune with your life, you know, your whether you're stressed out at work, whether it's your relationship, because all those things can actually impact sexuality. And then a really good sexologist is going to interview as a couple, if it's a couple, and then interview you separately and really try to figure out and be what I call a sexuality detective to figure out what could be at the root of the problem or the issue that they're having. And then it's a matter of constructing a program that with with homework and educational things and the homework are things like okay for the next week you know you guys don't have sex but you maybe explore each other's bodies intimately you know the the homework can range from a variety of things sometimes the homework is you know i want you guys for the next two weeks to find new ways to go out and do date night because people get stuck in routines and it ruins things so they put together a program that's designed for both of you to do the homework do some you know do some education and kind of come back and debrief and the best thing about a good sexologist is that they become kind of like a go-between, a go-between through your religion, between like your religion that's 
caused all these foundations that makes you think that what you feel and what you think is bad, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like a, 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 a middle person between how the different parts of the relationship aren't getting along and maybe can't communicate each other to each other the proper way. So it becomes a mix of just kind of being that medium that kind of helps take the information, the homework and translate that into how it's going to outplay in your sexual relationships. Hmm. I mean, hell, sometimes you parents uh, hire sexologists to kind of help them through the coming out process of their kids. So Mm -hmm. it really kind of depends on what the issue is and how they take you through it. Yeah. So just to follow up on that, how do you know that the sexologist that you've reached out to is kind of the real deal? I mean, of course, I would imagine they would look for someone that has gone to your institute, but are there other markers to ensure that, like, they're going to someone that will do the, give them due diligence? Oh, that's such a good question. And, and you know, I'm going to take my physician stance and my sexologist stance on this. I tell you, look for chemistry. If you feel like this person doesn't get you and you don't like them on their first visit, then that's the first sign that this isn't working. But also, you know, really kind of research them, see if they're doing anything out there that that fits along the lines of what you're interested in. Most people now have a Facebook or a Instagram page that talks about some of their philosophies around sex because sexologists are, are like, You know, one may specialize in gay sex, one may specialize in coming out of the closet, one may specialize in couples, one may specialize in millennials. So really, you kind of want to find one that has a little bit of experience treating whatever it is that you want help with. So I would even say before you commit to anything, send them a message, type up a message and ask, hey, do you have any any experience with blah, 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 and see how their response feels. Because honestly, there's so many different types of sexologists out there. Some people will just call themselves a sex therapist and may not be because it's Mm -hmm. kind of an unregulated field. Um, That you really want to make sure that this isn't just a talking head, that this is someone who actually has experience working with people. So kind of, you know, you kind of have to do your research like you do with any, any specialty. Right, right. That makes sense. Good question. Um, thank you. And thank you so much for all the answers. Like you've given, This was great. Yeah, it was great information. <laughs> and um, I hope our listeners that submitted all their questions, you know, find all of the answers helpful. And there's so much more that you even provide on your Instagram. So can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Sure, sure. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Dr. Rachel. You just got to spell Rachel right, D-R-R-A-C-H-A-E-L. I've got a great YouTube channel that we do a lot of different discussions about sex and relationships. It's the same, D-R-R-A-C-H-A-E-L, you know, after you do YouTube slash. So, you know, if you guys, if your listeners have any more questions, send them to me and I can record them for you and you can, I can just send them over to you guys. So I have enjoyed you guys royally, man. This was great thank you so much dr rachel we'll definitely have to figure out how to do this again sometime yes 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 so guys um i hope you enjoyed this conversation just always remember to keep up with our instagram um facebook and twitter if you have any other questions that we didn't get to that you would still like us to send over to dr rachel let us know so we can make that happen if you have any anonymous questions stories you know any of that jazz email us goodgirlsbehavingbadly at gmail.com and as always this is good girls behaving badly bringing you the good the bad of every week